Blog Talk Radio. This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, 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 everyone, and welcome to another edition of One-on-One with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and once again, I am coming to you live from Palm Springs, California, where it is a balmy 107 degrees today with only 6% humidity. Um, I just wish everyone would please follow us on social media. Twitter and Instagram is at Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S. Facebook is Jasper Cole, and you can go to jaspercole.com, and there's a link to the show that has all of our uh, archived episodes. We are on iTunes, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Spotify, we're on Spricker, and also we're on BS Podcast Network, which in one hour, um, every Thursday night at 7 p.m., Pacific, we have last week's live show uh, premiering on that particular uh, site. So if you missed last week's and you haven't had a chance to listen to it on archive, you can go over to bspodcastnetwork.com and check that out as well. But we have a great show tonight. We have two guests. We have uh, actor Eric Fellows. He is known as Damian Blackwell on the hit Emmy-nominated series The Bay. And then later, coming up at the 7 o'clock hour, we are joined by writer, actor, producer, director, Micah Lyons. And his new film is called The Runners, starring Mr. Tom Sizemore. So it's going to be an all-actor showbiz show. And speaking of showbiz and frugality and frufrality, and I just made up a word, please welcome my co-host, Mr. Ralph Cole Jr. Casting. Yes. Yes. Hi. Yes. Yes. We are going into production tomorrow. Well, yes, there have been more cases. Yes, there is. Yes, there is a lot more death. Absolutely. We're going into production anyway. Have your client there. No. Yet a meal will be tossed at them some point throughout the day. It's fine. They will be masked. They will be doing their own makeup. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, we, we will text them when we are ready for them to report to set. There will be no escort. They will probably be on the soundstage alone. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Oh, hold on. What Casting? Yes, let me put oh, you I, on hold. I have a question. Um, yes. Is this, yeah. is this for copy and credit only also? There's no pay uh, involved, right? Uh, there is no pay, and like I said, the meal will be tossed to you in a vacuum-sealed package, uh, much like oh. the astronauts used to get. Yeah, so we're good to go, and um, we're going to be taking your temperature every 15 minutes. So, um, Jasper, you're needed over in the temp check area, please. Jasper, to the temp check area. <laughs> oh, let me, let me get my hazmat suit on. I had taken it off. Let me get that on first. Put then... that shit on, because your scene is first up. So oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. any anybody that is going to be shooting in the next time coming up is we're called uh, lab rats and guinea pigs, basically. Okay. 
Okay, yeah, right? from New Guinea. Okay, yeah, from New Guinea. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, you notice I don't I don't see any network shows, the studio productions lining up any any work right now. It's all, you know, it's all indie films and indie projects. Uh, those well, no, willing to, you know, to go renegade, go rogue. But didn't we? D- didn't Bold and Beautiful announce that they were going to try to resume in June? Well, they tr- they said they're going to try to resume, but again, nothing. We're in June. It's June eleventh. Well, June I is mean, busting out all over, actually, Jasper. In fact, I have a little song. I mean, in fact, if, I have if, a little song about that. Yeah, go on. Oh, go ahead. Pick a key No, June is busting out all over. Okay, I'm done. Wow. Wow. Yes. And actually, you're actually considered a good singer. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> but... <laughs> Well, everybody oh, has my an goodness. off day, I guess. Okay, right, right, right. 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 But no, listen, so, how is your week going, my friend? Well, Ralph, you know what? I have to say it's been busier than ever, and I cannot believe uh, Planet Earth and listening audience. I don't think – other than texting, texting, texting each other all day, Ralph and I have not spoke, I don't think, since last week's show because Which, uh, yeah, we've been so I mean, busy. Th- Usually, yeah, you, and we were going to schedule sometimes, and then it just didn't happen, you know, but I'm totally content and happy. I am staying the fuck at home, um, as you know, except when <laughs> you're, I have you're to go You're fucking to at home, did you say? No, no I'm, no, I'm staying the fuck at home. Just oh, I keeping, thought you said I'm fucking at home. I was like, well, no, I'm glad no. somebody is. Good for you. No, no, and you'd be the one to be able to. No, I'm the one living alone, girl, except with Rose, so, you know. But, right. No, I... I am content with my activities around the house and what I'm getting to create with you and just uh, taking one step at a time. You know, we're in a quagmire of confusion. Ball of confusion. <laughs> we're yeah, gonna no, start, you're determined to turn this into a musical, right? One God way or the damn other. it. I, I'm getting some music out today, okay? I'm sure Eric and Michael would appreciate that, okay? So that's why I'm just warming up the set for them. Well, speaking of musicals, have you speaking of people not uh, being called on the carpet, have you seen this all this drama with Leah Michelle, the actress from Glee? No, um, what's going on with her? Uh, were you a Glee fan? Did you watch Glee? My favorite thing about Glee is their rendition of Call Me Maybe. Well, okay. Leah Michelle, as you know, was the, the dark-headed lead in the show. You know, she right. came from Broadway. and She was basically Ryan Murphy's muse for the show. Well, I guess she posted um, a Black Lives Matter support tweet over the week. Now, mm-hmm. she's always – you know, rumor in the business has always been that she was difficult. So she posts this tweet. And then a former black actress who was on the show for one season proceeds to send out a, a, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically like, really, bitch, now you want to be supportive when you basically made my life a living hell and almost and made me question whether I wanted to remain in show business or not. Um, you actually said that if you had the chance, you would shit in my wig on the show on Glee. And from that... All of her co-stars started tweeting out, "You were not, you were always a bitch, Leah. You know, we always hated you. Uh, go fuck yourself." So, Hollow, wow. Hello, Hello Fresh dropped her as a spokesperson. All of her Instagram accounts dropped her, the ones that were paying her, and 
she's trying to make a mea copa, but the, they're all coming out saying Ryan Murphy, you know, he was aware of her behavior the whole time. Nobody would touch her, say anything to her. And then he proceeds to go put her, put her in American horror story and, and scream and all his other shows. So, but yeah, it's just been a little bit of like time for her to, you know, come to reality and get a reality check. Cause honestly, nothing's really happened for her career since, uh, Glee. Glee. I mean, she, well, you know, she was screamed at. A, she went to another series for a short-lived series, didn't she? Well, she went. To, she was on American Horror Story, but she's on that Ryan Murphy uh, show with Kiki Palmer and Billy Lord. Oh, Scream okay. Queen. It's called Scream Queens. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Wow. Anyway, God, when you were he... when you were doing your musical numbers, I thought, well, you know, it. And you know, Ralph, what's happening is you saw the actor from the CW that you knew. From the Meridian Health Hardly, Club. Hardly, yes, hardly. What made you send that to me? That was so ironic you sent that. Well, that was on Deadline, and it was just showing how they, you know, people better go back and start, you know, uh, remembering what they've tweeted and, and, and try to get rid of it because they are pulling up old posts. He had some questionable, could be considered racist tweets back in the day, and they, no one's having it. I mean, there. So you just sent that to me out. Of, you just sent that to me on general principle. Like, here's an actor that made a mistake years ago, and he's paying for it now. I had I had you, no idea that you you had any connection be, to him. Because when I got when I got your text, and it said Hartley Sawyer, my mind immediately went, God, that name sounds familiar. And I said, Oh wait, Hartley. I think that was the guy. He was one of the trainers at Meridian because he was a series regular on some show. I forgot the name of the show. He's and on the flash on the flash. The flash, okay. So, that was his like big break. Yes. And he booked that when he I think when he was still at Meridian or maybe right after. And he was so friendly. We got along great. So when I clicked on the picture and I saw, oh my God, that is him. And I thought, wow, you know, it's like he's doing the mea culpa thing, too, you know, and he just begged for forgiveness on the subsequent tweets. But it is a shame how, like, things will haunt you from years ago, you know, and like he said, he was silly. He was immature. Mm -mm. You know, that doesn't work anymore. Mm -mm. Yeah. You know, and when you're when you when it's happening to you, when you're on the red carpet and you say, fuck you to a photographer or, or an interviewer in that moment, you're not thinking about the repercussions. You're just you know, reacting on the spot and then it can totally fucking hurt you, man. Well, you know, in the past, in the past few years, like Kevin Hart, I mean, when these things have been happening to people, you've been able to kind of say, okay, that was me then. This is me now. That's just not happening anymore. No, we don't, uh, you know, time's up now. Black Lives Matter. There is no two of the stars from Vanderpump Rules, which I don't watch. But both of them, they've been on since season one. They were both fired. Their agent, UTA, the agents dropped them. The PR firms dropped them. Their book deals went away. And all of their Instagram, you know, paid accounts went away. Wow. And the one show you don't watch, that's amazing. Okay. Um, let me ask <laughs> the one, you. The one bad reality. Yeah. Exactly. Exa- yeah. Um, so this just popped in my head. It was brought to my attention. This is regarding the four policemen that killed George Floyd, that mm-hmm. one of them was a newbie. He had just started working on the force, and that allegedly he he tried to intervene by saying to the Chauvin officer, um, can we reposition him? 
Tim, can, but the problem you know, with him saying that is they don't have any. There's no audio of him saying that on on the on the ca- on the camera. Oh, uh, and see, he also just, tried to claim. You know, he's only been on the job like was it four days or four weeks? It's he's only. But the police chief, I love that the police chief in Minneapolis is not having it. You know, he he said no. I mean, he goes, I I expect you you were trained to, to intervene, and he's now discontinued all negotiations with any police unions. As much as we love the Screen Actors Guild, the unions have been the one big problem with the police cases over the years. Every time a police officer gets disciplined or fired, the union steps in and gets their job back for them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this whole thing about defunding the police departments, a big part of that is basically defunding the unions, making it where – they are only held accountable to the police chief and the voters and the citizens, not these fucking unions. Um, right. It would be like it'd be like if we got, you know, in trouble on a set and we did something wrong, but we would immediately go hide behind SAG. Right, right. And try to have SAG help us. So we, you know, we are in the part. We are living history right now. We're in the middle of a civil, basically civil war civil unrest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I said the other day, I, you know what? Buildings can be rebuilt. Glasses can be replaced. Merchandise is insured, but none of these lives can be, you know, replaced. So if it's making non-black people uncomfortable, so be it. That's what we need. We need to, to be up in your face, our face saying, wake the fuck up. Time exactly. for change. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I was listening to Jeff Lewis live on uh, Andy Cohen's radio, Andy. And Jeff Lewis, he made some – he uh, expressed his opinions right after the initial looting happened last week. And, you know, he was coming from a place of white privilege, white white gay, gay privilege. And he always has a tendency to question where, whether anything is really racism. And, you know, I've said to you before, as a white person – I can't, I can't open my mouth. I have no criticism. I don't know what it's like to be a black person for one second. So I, anything I say, it's not valid. It, it, well, people nothing. did think you were Cat Williams. So, well, and I should say that I could use that actually, you know. But being Indian and gay, I think you know at least I'm somewhat of a minority. But no, Jeff Lewis, a, a caller called in the other day, and a, a, one a black lady. Very nice. Who said, Jeff, let me ask you something. Do you have any real black friends? She goes, I don't mean people that are on your payroll. I don't mean people that are clients. I mean, do you have any black friends in your life? And he had to sit there and he was like, I don't. He goes, you know what? You're right. He goes, I am surrounded by predominantly white privileged people all my life, even today as an adult. He said, so I don't know, I don't have the experience of even hearing uh, African-Americans tell me their experiences. You know what I mean? Like I've heard other uh, black and actors and actresses talking about some of their closest white friends. For some reason this time, it's finally sunk in and they've been calling them saying, you know what? I get it now. I really, I I think a lot of it is because we're all at home and people were forced to watch that video over and over um, I think in the past years when there have been other videos, I don't think people really watched it, uh, I, meaning white people. And I just don't think they 
they chose not to really let it sink in. So I, I think if, if, if change can happen and it, like you said, we talked about last week, it's got to change on the legal side, you know, no more chokeholds, no more police unions, take, take money away from the police departments, you know, don't give them these huge bonuses and stuff like that, make them earn it. But, you know, anyway, that's, it's weird because, you know, when we started back a few months ago, we, you know, we only had the pandemic and we wanted to be like up and positive and we're trying, we still are, but it's like, we really can't do any show without, you know, addressing what's the, the elephant in the room, which, which is happening in the world today. So, well, exactly. It's just like film and TV productions are going to have to address that issue. You know, it's just like when cell phones became a staple on every show, you know, you had to address it. So it it's, is going to be interesting to see how all of that shit's going to happen. <clears throat> Well, don't you? It's interesting going back to the production. It's like, okay, so first last week, you know, they released the the, the guidelines, and each state has their own guidelines. And so, but it didn't include LA County because LA County was having an increase in hospitalizations and that sort of thing. And then they announced June 12th would be the reopening. And then yesterday, they the day before, they announced that, uh oh, wait a minute, LA is now. <laughs> LA is now on a watch list because the cases are increasing. And then yesterday they went ahead and released that they're going to open. It's almost like the state level and the LA County level are not communicating. You know, exactly. there's, there's two different messages going on. So we're, um, we're in a quagmire of confusion. I mean, it's a total horrible mess. I mean, dated, it, it was a total mess when they were establishing the curfew. You know, you know, right. all during the day, it's like it's at five o'clock, it's at six o'clock, it's at eight o'clock. You know, they couldn't get that together. Now they're trying to establish, you know, the white paper, 22 pages of protocol. Bitch, you don't know if this shit is going to work. No one's ever done it. You know, right. it's like the astronauts going up into the moon. Well, you hope the shit's going to work, girl. But, you know, until you do it, you know, it's like I had our house retrofitted, but. As I told the people doing the retrofit, well, I'm not going to know the quality of your work until we have a major fucking earthquake. <laughs> Great. You know what I mean? So it's right. kind of That's like, a good point. Well, like you all, said, everyone, this, these, are, these initial productions are going to be the guinea pigs, you know, kind of like. I don't even and you know. How, listen, you know, Ralph, most actors, listen, I mean, most actors just want to work. And so think about when we were in our beginning years of our career and, you know, we were hustling we would we would we would go out and risk our health i mean i probably i know i would in my 20s and 30s you know would you now though no Mm -mm. no i mean you know you and i are both involved in a potential production coming up um but as i've told you because i am a producer on the project and i will be one of the ones in control of making sure the safety guidelines are followed i feel much more comfortable it because I'll I'll have a a vested interest in making sure everything is done. I'll know in fact that it's being taken care of. I, just showing up as an actor on somebody else's project, I I don't feel as comfortable because I can't. I don't know that the the actual guidelines are being followed. You know? Well, yeah, it's like it's like ordering takeout. You don't know who prepared that food. You never have. You've never known who prepared the food. You just went to the place, picked it up, and ate the food. But now that right. we have a pandemic, it's like, well, was the bitch wearing a glove? Did they sneeze into the burrito, girl? You know, it's like 
there's so many things we just have to hope for the best, you know, like hoping all the protocols are done, you know, getting our temperature. It's just there's so many things that mm-hmm. are going to be new for production. You know, right. production is used to like, you know, hurting the actors and, and mm-hmm. having the line producer keep everything on time, you know, saying to the director, we got to move on. we got to move to the next shot. But now they have to also be like, um, Phil, there's been a little breach in some sanitary issues that we're going to need uh, to <laughs> right, talk to you right. about, you know, and that's going to add a lot of tension. And it's like, where's our Lita? She, we need her on the set and she's going to be flying in with a mask on with her makeup person six feet behind her. Like, and I still don't know how that's going to work, you know, mm-hmm. you know, t- toss me the sponge girl and you know you blot your own face i mean they're just well the biggest biggest part of it is going to be testing and but even you know testing is not 100 percent. so like you said it's going to be it's all brand new and it's going to be just learning as we go and i guess ultimately you know what's going to happen is um we're going to see if there's a spike in cases because if there is this productions will be shut down regardless so well listen i want to Go ahead. No, go ahead. You just you just sent me a text saying that 1,800 more cases popped up today, and they part of that is because of slow results. But the point being, almost 2,000 new cases in a day. Yeah, and and, and just so everyone knows, um, it's not really the cases that matter; it's the hospitalization rate. So when they're looking in LA County for production, they look at how many hospitalization new cases there are because that's what tells you that people are actually sick and not just positive um but listen on this this is perfect time to bring in our our guest today because he is a fellow actor like we are and i'm sure he's got a lot to say about uh going back to work or not going back um he is best known for playing damian blackwell on the hit series the bay and ralph as you know we are big bay supporters we've had so many people including gregory martin uh, and Christos Andrews and Jade on the show. So without further well, you ado, know, please, you and I are both me, very bay. Uh, yeah. Well, let's bring, <laughs> let's bring on our guest, Eric Fellows. Hey buddy. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Wow. 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 That, that, was, a, get, that was a pretty big cheer. Thank you. That was, that was a standing ovation from the studio I, audience I, here. I'll tell you what, I, I needed that, so thank you. That was really well, good. Oh, good. Eric, good, good, Eric, good. welcome to our show. This is Ralph talking to you. You're the first guest that's ever gotten that much applause, so I want you to feel very special about that. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. Great. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Eric, welcome. You are a treat to join us. So we are eager to hear what you have to say. Well, I don't well, know if you were a little bit. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah no, I, heard, ahead. I heard the last uh, two minutes of the conversation. Um, I mean, I agree with you guys. It's uh, it's definitely going to be very. Can you guys hear me well enough? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You're, you're fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I. It's everything per day keeps changing, and mm-hmm. and every you know one dramatic understanding to the next and obviously with these riots, which has been absolutely horrible and being in this, you know, being stuck in quarantine and lockdown for the last few months, 
it's weird because I was coming from, I was doing a series, my new series that's coming out in the fall called Purgatory, and I was in Armenia shooting while this was going on. So while, when you guys were locked down for the first three weeks, I was still shooting in Armenia. Oh, and wow. I can, and then we got shut down. I think it was on, because we were playing it day by day, because it hadn't, the cases hadn't really come to Armenia. Like, it, 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 it was kind of spread along, you know, pretty much, you know, obviously in Italy and, mm-hmm. and everywhere else. But not, they had one case or two cases when I first got there. So I, I knew about what was going on, but not really because we were shooting. Um, oh, wow. But then all of a sudden, you know, my fiance here, she's like, oh, my God, it's horrible in L.A. And I'm, like, trying to picture, like, what that really means. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then all of a sudden <laughs> we got shut down. And within getting shut down, for, I think it was, like, I was supposed to stay there until April 10th. And we got shut down, I think it was March, like, 19th or 20th. And then uh, the next day we're like, we got to go. So they put us on a plane, came back, and I guess the military came to the street and shut everything down in Armenia 24 hours later after we left. So if we would have been there, it would have been pretty hectic. Um, oh, my God. Being back, being back and seeing all this, and, and the only thing is the stories with the pandemic, and as we've all kind of – we're just hearing so many different things from so many sides. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, there is something going on. Clearly, there's something going on. It's, it, it would be in, impossible to get an entire world to – create an understanding that's fake the problem is is just there's so many stories that just don't add up i just don't i have friends that are nurses at hospitals and doctors and i just hear so many different things i just don't know where where to believe anymore to believe to be honest right. that's how i feel so right being yeah beyond set like going back to a set with all these rules they sent me the pamphlet of rules i mean i don't know how they're gonna do this Mm-mm. i'm gonna be honest with you no i just me don't either. Know. Well, um, we were talking. We were talking about Ralph and I are going to. We're part of a production, and I'm a producer on it. And so when I saw, when I saw the guidelines that the state of California, you know, forget SAG or anything, but just what the state requires. I mean, first of all, it's about a forty thousand dollar extra cost, and then on right. top of that, I mean, the list and the stuff. And so the the actor in me, of course, you know, like wants to be protected, and the producer in me wants to make sure people are protected but when you talk about all the unions and the guilds and the people that have to agree and come together i don't know it's a little overwhelming as well but would you be now the now purgatory are you guys going to go back and shoot more or finish we do well we 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 were cut just a little bit short i mean um yeah we're supposed that's another thing we're waiting to see because i know that Armenia's board, uh, border still shut, so I don't know until the end of June, from what I understand. We were supposed to, we were talking about going back in July. Mm. Um, it's not just a quick flight either; it's pretty far. So <laughs> we, I, I just don't know. I, I know that we have we have enough content to release the first season. So the first season is almost pretty much delivered. So I know that they're saying early fall it's coming out, um, which the turnaround is actually really quick from what I expected. Um, right, and then. Second season is to air. Uh, don't quote me on this. This is what I've sort of been told. I don't know if I should be mm-hmm. saying this, but it's supposed to be um, uh, early fall, eight episodes, once one uh, one episode a week for eight weeks, and then the second season supposedly is supposed to start in December uh, for another eight episodes. So we sh- we shot about twelve, thirteen episodes worth of content. So we just need to finish off about three episodes, and I got about two and a half weeks to go back and finish. So. Um, wow, because I'm out. Of, I'm in 15 out of the 16, so I, I don't know when that will be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I, I mean, yes, we're worried about it, but we have enough content to at least release the first season. So, just as long as we get that done, obviously, before. But they need time to – they're going to have enough time to edit a majority of the second season. We just need to finish off whatever we have to finish off. I just don't know when that's going to be. Well, congrats on the show. Uh, Tell everyone about the series and what you're playing and, you know, who's doing it and all that okay. stuff. Well, okay, so Purgatory, it's um, it was it was one of Armenia's number one shows um, – it was a sh- you know, I, I got to make sure I'm saying this right. It was either a movie or a show in Armenia that decided they wanted to uh, transition into an American show. Um, the company that I, uh, I, this is my second show for this network, uh, HCI for Popstar um, TV. It's Popstar mm-hmm. TV yeah. Online. And, um, I did a show called Evil Touch, and this is the second show that I've been acquired for the show. So I play a character named Bobby. Uh I, I I play villains quite a bit actually, and this one really intrigued me because he's an ex-con murderer, and I uh, get to do some really <clears throat> awful things to people, <laughs> and uh, and I try well, to be as sweet as possible doing it. Um, but it's about twelve different characters who end up getting a uh, New Year's Eve invite to this resort of some sort, but each invite came from a different angle. Uh, but each person is being brought there for a particular reason, and actually it's just one particular reason of someone killed but we're all connected to this one person's murder so we have no idea we're getting there we don't know each other um uh, you know each character kind of brings their own either a significant other or someone else who's been tied into it but we don't realize that we've all been invited there obviously for this reason so uh even within the first episode it, it takes you straight to what's about to happen to us but then we're we basically get lured to this cave and but we're told we're told it's a surprise so we're starting, we're obviously a little bit iffy about it once they take us huh. to this, like, almost like this hatch in the ground. And we're like, well, your surprise is here. Because we're like, what's this, anticipation, this anticipating surprise? Next thing you know, I don't want to give too much away because it will, I, if I reveal too much, it will give stuff away. So I'll just right. leave it this. So we get stuck in a cave, man. And basically stuck in a cave to fend for our lives. So our tour guide, who uh, takes us to the surprise, he obviously gets, something happens to him. The cave, the, the hatch gets locked on us, and we're stuck down there. And which is supposed to be for about a two-month span um, oh. with very little food that we had brought with ourselves. But, you know, there's little inside situations that people that are there start to reveal that they actually know why they're there. You know what I mean? Like, I know right. I know sort of why I'm there, but I'm also not scared because I'm also an ex-con who just got out of jail. So um, it's kind of crazy, actually. It's pretty edgy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, Bobby's are really uh, – really And let me ask you, so is it Armenian crew? Is it an Armenian crew and production company, it's or is half it all – half okay. half. So the, there was an American director, and then there was an Armenian director. The Armenian director is the one who directed the Armenian version. Okay. Um, it was uh, – cast-wise, there is – I was the American, and then we have um, another character. She is actually from Australia, but she's living in L.A. So she got cast. We were the only two that were cast out of L.A. And then we have a Canadian that was living in London, and then we have two other uh, British that came out of came out of London as well. And then the rest are either Armenian or Russian. <clears throat> oh wow, that's a great group so of it's just, eclectic it's actors. Big place, like, yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, because there's a little bit of a language barrier um, for a few of the actors. One of the older actors who's playing the doctor, he 
he did well. He did really well. He's a very big actor in Armenia, but you know, English is not his his first language. So it, it was a little bit difficult on that end for him, um, trying to you know being able to translate that understanding. But he did a really good job. But I think I, I think it, you know I've seen a few of the uh, delivered episodes. Uh, I probably shouldn't even say that either. I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but um, no, no, they look it's really fine. good. Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, you never know. Cause I'm, I'm not a producer, and I'm just an actor. I know. But like, I'm very close to the producers. And yeah. uh, it looks great. I'm excited about it. So it's the most evil I think I've ever played. And I took it well, to the nth degree of that. Well, you know, I mean, I play nothing but killers. and But the difference is you're, you're a good-looking guy, and I'm a creepy-looking guy. So at oh, least you on, have – No, hey. no. At least, at least you have the good looks going with you, so you get to be good-looking and evil. But th- don't well, you think I, those are the best well, parts to play? You. Yeah. They're so much fun uh, to well, play. You know, it's funny. They are. For me, it's like it, – not that I would say it comes easy to me. It's so funny because most people that would meet me – I mean, I, I have a little bit of an edgier look to me, too, though, uh, to a certain degree. Like, I'm not the boy next door, but I'm not, right. you know, super edgy either. So I'm, like, an in-between it. So my personality in real life is kind of, like, I'm goofy and kind of, like, mm-hmm. loud and outspoken. Like, I'm not that quiet kind of creepy guy. So to be I, – I, I like to play that sort of role, but it comes right. kind of easy to me on that angle for some odd reason. That's just my personality – my inner personality. Um, so yeah, I love playing those the most. Uh, I don't get a whole lot of like nice guy roles, but on the Bay, I'm actually nice. Yeah. On the Bay, like, you're, I'm, you're a pro, you're a prosecutor, right? You're like a upstanding. No, 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 no. That's my no, brother. No. That's my brother. Oh, that's my bro- oh uh, no. Brandon played that. It's okay. It's all right. It's my brother. Oh no, no. So fun. what, oh, I'm sorry. So what are you, a, are you a bad guy on the Bay? Well, I know, no, no, I started out, I was kind of like this club guy who kind of like, did drugs, sold drugs on the side, but kind of like a, he was a, he was a player, but he also, I came onto the show bisexual. And then I had a girlfriend and a boyfriend. And I, and oh. my first girlfriend on the show was Jade Harlow. So she was my, well, uh, Liana's. That's, that's my, not a bad one yeah. to have. Yeah. No, yeah. we're, no, she's great. She's one of my really closest friends too. So she's we, great. We had her and, on the um, show. We, we love her. She's great. Yeah, no, I've known I've known Jade for many years. She's she's a very fantastic actress and just a really good person. So I, I we're really close friends. Um, but I there was uh, basically the transitional point for Damien was um, there was an, uh, a car accident. Marley ends up dying in a car accident, uh, and I'm a Blackwell, you know, versus the Garretts. So it's like blood and feud constantly. So when Marley had died in a car accident. Uh, we had the same, I guess, the same blood type. So anyway, I end up because I had liver, I have a drug overdose at the club. Uh, this was in the first season. So basically, I was dying, and I end up getting Marley's liver, and it saves my life. So for that, in that particular point on, I end up like transitioning my life, like getting my life together. I don't do drugs anymore. I end up realizing that the party phase, I wasn't into men. I was actually more into women, and I end up uh, staying with Jade, and then. Uh, then we actually break up, and I'm actually with Alicia Willis now, who plays Avery. So that's my girlfriend right. show now. But that's I'm playing great. like this really good guy, so I don't ever play a really good guy. This is like one of the first times I'm actually a nice guy. <clears throat> that's fantastic. That's amazing. So, did how did you end up on the Bay? Was it just another audition, or did you already know Gregory? No, or, or... no, I, I didn't audition at all. I was on Days of Our Lives from 2009 to about uh, 2011, on and off 2009 to 2011, 2012. And I guess I had got invited to a mixer that Gregory was throwing, God, man, probably 10, 10 years ago. And he had known, he had known of me from the, 
from Days of Our Lives. Uh, I had knew a few people that were already on the show that were soap actors that I had, you know, met being on a soap you meet all these soap actors, obviously. Oh yeah. So yeah, I come across many of them over the years and we knew each other, but, and he says, one day I'm going to find a role for you. I, w- I want you on a show. So actually the first role I initially played when it was just a, um, a web series was the young version of Matthew Ashford's character, Steve Jensen. I played him 20 years prior uh, oh. in the scene with Mary Beth. I'm the one who actually raped Mary Beth. So oh, it was, there's see. a scene, yeah, and uh, actually it's funny because the girl that played the young version of her is one of my, and I hadn't seen her in so many years. We used to live together in New York in 2000, and her name oh is Abby God, Watson. This is like, ended up, this is like six so degrees of separation. It was crazy. So she's like, they're like, oh, you know who's playing Mary, the young Mary Beth? I said, who? They go, oh, a girl named Abby Watson. I go, are you kidding me? That's one of my closest friends. I haven't seen her in years. She lives in New York. And she, yeah, she ends up, and then that we reconnected, but that was about 10 years ago, or nine mm-hmm. years ago. I don't even know. And then all of a sudden, when I guess it won an Emmy for Best Short Format Drama Series, Amazon acquired it. It became, they remastered what we had shot, and then created a whole first of the first of the first season, the first half of that, and then we started shooting from that point on as, as we shoot for Amazon now. Right. So, and then I became. Um, they gave me, I ended up becoming Damian Blackwell and the son of Ron Moss. And my brother came a year later, uh, Brandon Beamer to play Evan. It's so amazing I, yeah, how, so I don't, yeah, I played two different characters on the show at one point. Now I'm Damian Blackwell for the last five seasons. Now, when you, did you work with Mary Beth when you were on days also? She oddly enough, she was not on when I was on. Okay. She yeah. happened to be on high age for, you know, anytime that, I mean, I'd worked probably, the first six, seven months that I was on days. And then I went off for a couple of months and I came back on for a few months and went off and came back. So not when I was ever shooting out, she was never on. Did you, so, did you love the, did you, did you enjoy the pace of daytime and the, the speed and the work on daytime? Um, I mean, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I, I respect, I listen, you know, you hear about soaps, you hear about the grueling work and, and the intense page count and all this stuff, but you don't understand it until you actually do it. Right. So it's, it's, to get accustomed to that is a whole different breed of acting. It's it's a it's a, it's a formula and it's a machine. I mm-hmm. I I'm very appreciative that I had the opportunity to do it. Um, it definitely prepared me to be prepared. Uh, right. You can get you know I got so used to being able to do things in a short period of time that I you know I, none of that stuff scares me because I I it's I'm like that's you you guys are worried about that that's easy. So right, it's like right. once you but, but there's a fine line with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a way to shoot so. There's a, a a tempo, there's a style to it, and right. it can sometimes make or break you. And mm-hmm. I've always told myself never to latch on to that understanding too much because the authenticity of who you are really as as a person and as an actor can kind of fade away, and you forget to be real. It, you 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 almost adapt to this understanding and forget other parts of life. Right. So I and I'm not putting it down. I just no, no. I love film. I love film the most. Uh, you get to be as free. And then, you know, they shoot a lot of TV these days, especially prime time. A lot of stuff is starting to look more cinematic. And you mm-hmm. get to, like, do a lot more than it used to be. It's so constricting. So, right. yeah, I'm very appreciative of it. And I learned a lot. And uh, nothing scares me. That's so, right. That's a good thing, I guess. That's a good thing. Uh, but very appreciative of it. Yeah, it was, it was a good experience, for sure. That's fantastic. So, yeah. Well, well, you know, I was reading up, so you come, you know, you, you grew up being an athlete and that whole thing. So when did, 
I know you went to New York and you were modeling, but how did the how did the interest in acting happen? Did that come from the modeling world, or had you always well, been sort of interested in acting? It's always, you know, it's so funny. The last couple of weeks, I've done a bunch of articles, and I've had to actually kind of dip more into that because I've. Now, it's always says why, like, yeah, you know, when you look at my bio, which I don't even know who wrote that bio, by the way, but like, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like looking at him, like I don't even speak this. You're place. like, who the like, hell is this? Yeah. I'm like, who wrote this? Um, they're they're correct on a lot of it. It's just there's missing a lot of points. Um, I never was interested in acting at all. Um, I played basketball early. I started playing basketball at probably around eight years old, and then I just fell in love with the game. I became a huge fan. I always did is watch Michael Jordan. I'm not kidding, and play basketball. And then you know I started playing AAU leagues and. And I got really – I was became a very, very good basketball player. And I'm only 5'10", but, you know, it's weird because I just – I don't know. It just became, came natural to me, and I just all mm-hmm. of a sudden just got really athletic out of nowhere and just played basketball. And then I um, got a Michael Jordan tattoo when I was 15. Wow. The Jumpman sign tattooed on my arm, which most people don't know that. And um, I had it lasered off when I was 33 just because I was starting to think, okay, this, I got to get rid of this, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was well, a good thing. Well, it, it, it could have been worse. You could have had a lot worse yeah. on there. So, yeah. There's a lot of things that could be worse, yeah. Um, so, and then I played, I got, you know, I played high school basketball. And then I took a drama class, which is funny, probably I'd say 10th or 11th grade. And in my school, like, you either, it was kind of a hard school. Like, it was weird. It was a rough school. Like, it was kind of like, tough. yeah, yeah, people, it was, there's lots of fights. It was kind of, it was tough. And obviously, I, to be honest, I was actually, I was a minority. So I was the only, I think, white athlete on the basketball team within 15 years. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of interesting to come into that. But I got a lot of respect and people always had my back. So I was just a basketball guy. That's all I did. And I took a drama class and I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to read, I don't want to read these lines. And I, I literally quit the, the course and took something else. Um, I think art and didn't want to do it. And it was like, it wasn't something I thought about. And then basically after I graduated high school, I got, well, my last year of high school, I got hurt. I tore my ankle and that's what would happen with my basketball. I, I couldn't really continue. And I kind of just started venturing off and not sure what I want to do with my life. And I met a, my my girlfriend at the time was babysitting this little kid, this cute little kid. His mom picked him up, and she came inside. I remember I was leaving, and she said to me, I can't remember exactly what happened. She was like, hey, have you ever thought about modeling? And I said, uh, model what? She goes, she goes like, <laughs> like modeling, like catalog. Because I live in Maryland and D.C. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, well, my, you know, my little son, he does, uh, he's like the Tommy Hilfiger kid and blah, blah, blah. Like his agent in D.C., they do adults. You have a great look. You should think about it. And I said, um, uh, I'll think, oh, yeah, whatever. But, you know, you can't, I couldn't go back and tell my friends I'm going to be a male model. It was like, right, it was, right. It was like, yeah. yeah, they're like, what are you talking about? So, uh, anyway, I ended up meeting the agency and they signed me and I started working in like DC and Virginia areas. And then I met a, a friend of mine. She modeled all over the world, but she was from Maryland. Met her at like a, some fashion show. She said, you know, we need to go to, we, should, we need to go to New York. If you really want to do this, you go to New York. And we went to New York. Met with agencies and we ended up moving there. So I packed up. That was the first time I ever moved away from home, and I moved to New York City. And then, um, wow. how I, the acting got started was <clears throat> I was with a bigger modeling agency, and they set me up with an agency, Innovative Artists in New York. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I got repped by the commercial beauty department, and uh, the agent there 
asked me what did I want to do, like, um, you know, theatrical. Would, would they want me to introduce me to the theatrical department? And I said, um, like, I was like, I was a little bit scared. I'm like, uh, well, like, you, you seem like you have, they're like, you're really outgoing. It seems like you have, maybe could even have a knack for it. We'll send you out for some commercials and see how you feel. And I said, all right. So I got a uh, coach's kind of like number that taught Meisner at uh, Raw Space up in New York. And I, so I went and took a class. And the next thing I know, the guy was like, you have like an ability. And I'm just like, ability? What are you talking about? So I started learning <laughs> kind of as it went. It was never something I ever, I, mm-hmm. I just kind of just fell into it. I right. didn't aspire to be an actor. It took me years to actually think that what I was doing was even what I wanted to be doing. I didn't even know mm-hmm. half of my career that it was actually something that really interested me that much. And then right. it just happened. Then all of a sudden I just clicked. And now it's just, it's weird how it, it, it's been so many years. And I'm like, oh, I would never have pictured this in my life ever. Well, that that's so, a great point. You know, we talk about that all the time. You know, we there's this whole thing that happens in the acting world. Like, you know, you've got to be trained to the hilt and you've got to eat, live and breathe it. And sometimes I think right, the, things right, that right. We, the things that we don't have to work as hard for kind of fall in our laps. And then other times, things we really want we have to work a lot harder but i always so say you know acting's not brain surgery you know it's it's a, unless it's a great you're playing jo- one on television jasper <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah, you better yeah. you better know your shit then man <laughs> yeah well ralph ralph neither you or i will be playing brain surgeons uh but eric might you know that that might happen for well, him for sure Maybe I'll be performing a brain surgery on one of you guys. Well, no, we never okay. How about yeah. that? No. Oh, that's a yeah. good idea. No, as long as, you're, as long as you're able to do it from six feet away via laser, uh, that's fine, Eric. Okay. That's a, whole new, that's a whole new technique, buddy. That's a whole new technique they need to teach on set. Which, oh, God, God help these people. I, I just uh, don't even know what's going to happen, man. Okay, yeah. Eric, we're going to bring you into makeup and hair now. Stepping up. Okay, Eric, we're going to be tossing you a bag with some sponges. And exactly. We'd, we'd like, like you to... Like, no, they're going to say, hey, Eric, do you mind going and doing your own makeup? Here, this is all fresh. Everything's clean, but can you just go do your own because we're not allowed to touch you? Oh, yeah, sure. You want to see what I look like when I come back? Like, what are you talking right. about? Right. Yeah. You're going to have a bunch of, you're going to have a bunch of, like, greasy-looking people with, like, eyeshadow on their, like, middle of their forehead. Like, this is going to be ridiculous. Oh, it's my be a goodness. Joke. It's like, listen, yeah. after you hit the marker card, Eric, just if you could just slide it down your leg so it's out of camera. Okay? <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Take a beat and then start your line, okay? We'll edit it out in post. Oh, shit. Yeah. But you know what? You know what? I feel like a lot of – go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just think a lot of people that once we start productions again – because I know we're supposed to start the Bay <clears throat> July 8th. Mm-hmm. So – um, you know, but the way that we're doing it, it's like block shooting, like, you know, pr- you know, shooting out people as fast as possible. I mean, look, it's already difficult making a production happen, making it look as perfect as you possibly can with all the time that we had before and more. It's like, it's so difficult to make mm-hmm. something the best you can in a short period of time. I mean, we'll get it done. The problem is, I mean, you're, you're, you're putting production in jeopardy of just turning into complete crap. And yeah, I don't know. You know, I just don't know. I mean, the TV for about two years is going to be rough, man. I, you know, I, I just don't know. We'll adapt and we'll just go along with it. But it's like we're going to watch it and go, oh, God. 
Well, you know, I hope it's that's like actually, when the, I hope it yeah. it's like when the pandemic first started, right? And we're starting to watch like the local newscasters, and you you're suddenly seeing like. The ladies are doing their own hair and makeup, you know, the, the, the yeah. guys are doing it. And suddenly, like, oh, shit, you guys really look like, like oh, you that's look what like they really look like. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah. like, oh, that's, we figured so. Yeah. Um, well, you know what I heard was they're supposed to bring in light. Like, every, okay, so the departments are supposed to work different days. So, like, lighting is supposed to come in on a separate day. Like, wait a second. Doesn't the lighting change? What are you talking about? <laughs> Like, well, what you, like, if you're shooting maybe just all stage or, you know, on, on uh, location – we shoot locations, man. We shoot different – like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, well, I, I think what you're – I, I think that's what the point is. Like, they, they're saying that they want everything on, on a, a sound stage and no more location shooting. So that way you can contain everything and set the right. lighting and, and set it. You know, in hindsight, when I think about it, guys, in some ways – it might actually end up saving a lot of time because let's face it, how much how much time do we always hate when they have to change the lighting? You know what I mean? It's like no, I agree. It's like it's like a forty five minute turnaround. I mean, it's, it's right. Tough. It's a big yeah. it's a big deal, and so that's why they're talking like some of the soaps may go back because they're already in a a studio where they can sort of contain everything. When you were talking about purgatory. And being down in the hatch, the actor in me, all I could think about was, were you guys shooting down in an actual cave, or where did you actually shoot yeah. that? Yeah, man. It was, it was, it's actually, it's called uh, Levon's Underground Cave, and evidently, one single man built out this whole cave that goes down six stories. When, mm. when you go and see it, you're like, there's no way in the effing world that one man did this. If he did, I will kiss his feet because none of us believed it. We're like, it's not possible. You couldn't carve this, and he carved it with, like, a stick. Like, that's a great story, but come on. There's no way. Well, how, many, in, how many of you were in the cave? I mean, just oh, a lot of – So, it was – I have to – I will tell you this. I'm super impressed with the production value of what – I mean, it looks very cinematic. I was right. – when you do projects, especially when you're not familiar with the people or in general, I mean, I've worked with one of the producers uh, I've worked with many times. So I knew his, you know, we have a rapport. We know each other very well, but like other people, I'd never met any of them before. Even the crew was all from Armenia. So, but man, they really worked hard. Their lighting turnaround was like five minutes. Wow. I was in shock. I'm like, wow, you really can't, you really can do this very quickly. And shooting with that, there's like, if you turn off the lights in the cave, there's no light. So it's pretty – I was really shocked. But there was about, I'd say, in the cave because we're all as a group until people start getting, you know, picked off, like dying. So it's like the first, like, five episodes, there's, you know, five, six episodes, there's 12 cast members. And then you got another 20, 25 people of crew in the cave with you. But it's a lot of space. There's lots of different like rooms in the cave, so there, it was actually okay. pretty big, man. And what about the elements? Big. What kind of what kind of weather were you shooting in at that time? Well, the first, when we first got there it was snowing, which actually looks beautiful on camera. So it actually looks great. Like the transition from the first episode, how it transitions in, it was really beautiful. And the mountain esque, like it's almost like didn't even look real because there's this area. Oh, I forgot the name of the the lake now, but. Um, it was beautiful. So that the way they shot it, 
drone shots. I mean, aesthetically, it looks beautiful. So we were, it was cold. It was really cold, and yeah. all of a sudden, it just warmed up. It, the snow went away, and then it warmed up, and it wasn't super warm, but it was, like, definitely 25 degrees warmer. When we were in the cave, but we were all bundled up, so it, it was fine. The elements were fine until, well, one day, it caught, the light, uh, light caught on fire, so we had to evacuate in the cave. Oh. That was bad. That was a bad situation, wow. I will say. That was not good. When uh, you To get into the cave, did you have to walk d- down six stories? or? Um, each time, believe it, yeah. To get to the first, uh, from where we initially started shooting, you'd have to walk down about three, three flights. So about the way they're saying it was 25 feet down, it felt like 70 feet down, to be honest with you, but it's angled with steps, so I guess it was about 25, 30 feet down. But that was tough, man. That was the hardest part. It was like, up and down, up and down. But it, we got our exercise, so, um, you know, that was good. But it, well, it was – we were tired. I'm not going to lie. We were very tired. Well, I mean, was, were your, was, I mean, let's just keep it real. Were your bathrooms and your dressing rooms at the top, or you had – you had? Some, I mean, this is, this is the old yeah, no, Jasper, the, the actor now. Actually. These are the kind of things I think about. Like, where was – you know, where was everything? Well – if it would have if it would have been for me and my choices, I would have just went and peed right in the corner um, or done anything <laughs> else in the corner. But unfortunately, that was not allowed. Um, that's a no no in Armenia. You can't go pee outside anywhere. Uh, oh. So no, we'd have to walk up, and there was a bathroom because it was attached under. It was like almost like a the cave was underneath a house. So weird. Okay. Man. It was like under our house, so we had to walk up the steps and go into the house to go to the bathroom. And there was only two bathrooms, and there's a lot of people, so it was like, take our turns. So mm. That wasn't so simple. Um, right. And everybody sees every five seconds because we all drink water and coffee. Right. Yeah. So, so that was that was the probably the hardest part. Uh, it was long hours, man. I mean, it was when you're and then you know they don't think we couldn't wash our clothes because it takes place from the moment you get in the cave to the end, man. So you're you know you're dirty, and then you know people blood, people are getting killed. Like it's you stay each. Your outfit stays like that for the the whole you know extended period of time. So there's no washing the outfits. Well, the well, good thing is you, you didn't have to cool. worry about wardrobe. That was your only wardrobe. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah I mean, if that was one. That's a perfect well, I, ideal situation for wardrobe during quarantine. Now, during you know, perfect. on our comeback, yeah. it's just like <laughs> wear the same shit every day. Listen, Eric, I wanted to say. Your film better look cinematic after flying to Armenia, walking down 70 feet into a cave, which all I keep thinking about is, could it have collapsed? I'm so claustrophobic. I'm just nervous. I mean, that was our biggest fear. Our biggest fear was claustrophobia. And I'm not too claustrophobic, but when I think about it, am I claustrophobic? Maybe. But, like, people were freaked out. Like, people were actually freaked out. And so once you're in there, you're fine. Like, I. When I think about it now, I, it, it, was a walk, it was a walk in the park. But, but leading up to it, like, we were scared because, like, I've never been in a cave for that many hours. Like, if something went wrong, you're tra- like, if we were stuck and there was a, we couldn't get past the fire, like, we got out wow. in time, but the whole thing was up in smoke. And we had to run up the step. Like, it was – and the funny thing is I wasn't even down there when it happened, and I left my phone and my jacket down there. I'm like, guys, I have to go get my phone. They're like, you're not going to go get your phone. I walked my ass all the way down there and got my phone. We have our phone. priorities. We we can't live without our phones. Are you kidding? That you better get that shit on Instagram. Too sweet, buddy. Yeah, and you got to come yeah. up. You have to walk up the post, man. There's no service down there. 
Yeah, but imagine, guys, <laughs> imagine, imagine what we're talking about with the, uh, the COVID now. Imagine trying to do the shoot like that with all the guidelines, right? I mean, there's no way. I don't even think you can't. That's another uh, thing. I just don't Eric, even think you Eric, okay, can't. we're going to be bringing you down into the cave. You're going to be by yourself. And what we're going to have you do, it's going to be a self-tape kind of situation, okay? <laughs> self-tape, I mean, they're already starting to do that. They give you, you're booking jobs in your own house, shooting commercials right. by yourself. It's like, right. oh, boy, how, another way to isolate yourself from the world. So you, now nobody has lives, and everybody just has to sit in their house. Awesome. Uh-huh. You know, it's perfect for uh, crazy hermit agoraphobias. Yeah. But I they're love great. They'll, they'll make a kill it. They'll make a I kill love it. the fact that we can have a national commercial running for Pillsbury now. And I shot that shit sitting at my kitchen table. Okay. On, <laughs> on my iPhone. Okay. While I was you eating can credit, a different, You can credit for everything. Producing it, acting in it. You freaking, dude, you did your own makeup. You did lighting. You oh, did my God. You did all the credit. The product was Pillsbury, but I sure was eating Duncan Hines <laughs> while I was doing it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, your feet well, should be through the roof. Ralph and I, we, we've been saying ever since the self-tape audition started, I, I used to make jokes about, this is so great. Now, if I didn't have to leave home to film it, well, fuck, now I don't. You can just film it I know. sitting at your desk. It's, it's exactly. amazing. Exactly. Well, oh listen, buddy, the, the, the time has flown. I want everyone to know they can follow you on Twitter at Eric Fellows and Instagram yeah. is Eric Fellows Official. And, you know, listen, uh, the, the, Bay, the Bay is on Amazon right now, everyone. Purgatory, keep an eye out for Coming the out new series. Coming out there on Popstar, yeah. Okay, on Popstar, and they can follow you on Twitter and, and see when it, exactly when it's going to air. And listen, buddy, it's great to meet you. Um, you too, man. I appreciate it. Eric, I, I just want to say to you. Two things, there's two things I want to, well, I want to apply. I'm going to plug two things real quick. I'm going to plug two things yeah, that are coming out yeah. as well. I have a movie called Break Even that's coming out. Um, well, it was supposed to come out in May, but obviously COVID was an issue. Um, I don't have exact dates yet, but it will be coming out in the next few months. Um, it's in the vein of Fast and Furious. It's like Into the Blue. And it's a really, really, really cool movie. Uh, it's very fun. Sexy girls, good-looking guys, fast boats, speed boats car chases we find 50 million dollars and get chased by the corrupt dea and i can't tell anymore but it's a really fun movie <laughs> that will be out soon and my second one is a movie based on hollywood a dark comedy and it's actually called Starfucker. and oh. i play the role of jimmy star who is aspiring actor quintessential actor in hollywood that will do whatever he has to take to make it but it has a lot to do with uh the movement of me too and everything of modern day and the past of Hollywood all kind of built into one thing in a really sort of twisted, dark, spiraling, dark comedy uh, that takes you on this journey of this guy's life and the things that he goes through. So that is actually going to be coming out within the end of this year, early next year. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, we Thank certainly you. know a lot, of, a lot of star fuckers in this town. So, yeah, yes, and it's no, yes, it's no stranger that your current series is called Purgatory, seeing what we're uh-huh. all going through right now. Yes. Funny how yeah. things <laughs> All right, buddy. Listen, best of luck well, with everything, so and uh, great to meet you. We'll talk to you soon. Come back anytime. Thank you. Bye, Eric. <laughs> Well, everyone, that was uh, actor Eric Fellows, um, plays uh, Damien 
Blackwell on the Bay on Amazon and look for his new series on Purgatory. Wow, Ralph, you know, all I, the actor in me, all, you know how I am. All I kept thinking is uh, snow, a cave, cold, <laughs> oh, no, ba- I- no bathrooms. And trapped down there for hours, and I kept thinking, everyone thinks showbiz is so glamorous, right? Only two bathrooms with 12, 25, so that was like 38 people, okay, right there. <laughs> and what I was thinking of, you know, yes, you know, that's why I said, oh, your film will be looking cinematic with all of this, okay? Thank you. Yeah, because uh, I, I kept thinking, I will be wearing a catheter. And there will be no food or drinks happening because that's not going to happen. So, okay, and then a fire starts. And then all I could think of was um, Stella Stevens and the Poseidon Adventure. With, <laughs> down the with, hatch. And, yeah, they're pushing yeah, her in the hot goes, pants. Yeah, it's just like, you know, let me go before fat ass gets stuck. <laughs> before Shelly Winter Shelley dies. Winters. Yeah. No child, that shit was scary. But Eric, his enthusiasm is infectious. That shit is fierce. He well, I is... love the fact that he talks about you know how fun it is to be a bad guy because you know I get to play that that role also. But oh, yeah, yeah and exactly. I, and I love I love how you're right. He's um he's just got full he's full of energy, which is great. So you know, again, everyone on the bay has been such great guests to have on the show. So I'm really pleased, but listen, it's time to bring on our second guest. Now it's interesting because we've been talking about, you know, the pandemic and now all the guidelines. So our next guest, not only is an actor, but he's a writer, a director, and a producer. So when you talk about wearing all the hats on a production, um, we're going to talk to him about his new movie called the runners, but it's a great time to also get his take on, you know, his production company and going forward and how he's going to handle all these new normals. So at this time, please welcome Mr. Micah Lyons. Hey, buddy, how are you? How you doing? Micah, are you there? Ralph, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. I guess we lost him for a second. Huh. That's okay. We will re- he will reconnect. But in the meantime, so so yeah, so Micah is the writer, director, uh and producer and star of this new film called The Runners, and he has his own production company. So I thought it's I mean, it's the perfect time to like get someone's kind of like a Gregory Absolutely. Martin. Absolutely. To get their take yes, on absolutely. It. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have Micah now. Let's see. Micah, are you there? Hey, guys. It's Micah. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, hi, buddy. I'm sorry. I think uh, somehow we got disconnected. Welcome to the show. This is Jasper. What's up, Jasper? Hey, I blame COVID-19 for the whole, for the whole Ab- thing. That <laughs> as you should, Micah. As you should. This is Ralph coming to you live, and we'd like to welcome you with enthusiasm to our show. Absolutely. Oh, thank you guys so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, I wanted to let everyone know that um, um, Mike and I both have uh, Clint Morris as our publicist with October Harvest PR. And you know what, Ralph, I forgot to even mention um, Eric Fellows and I have the same Atlanta agent, Joy Purvis. Oh, oh, excellent. I know. we We got so involved in the conversation, I forgot to give her a shout out. So shout out to Clint and to uh, Joy Purvis. Yay, but Micah, joy. 
congratulations on the runners and uh, everything else you have going on, but especially on this new project. And uh, yeah, go ahead. We can't wait to have you weigh in. What are your thoughts on this, this new way of uh, shooting things going forward? Yeah, you know, it's going to be really tricky. Um, I spent the last uh, nearly eight years in Los Angeles, and we just recently relocated to Texas. And so I think um, things are a bit easier in Texas when it comes to production, um, mm-hmm. and it's less crowded, and, and so it, it's, it's not quite as crazy, I, I, I don't think. Um, but, you know, I just – jumped off of a uh, a big conference call uh about an hour ago uh that was gathering all the texas producers up and talking about what's going into effect as of tomorrow is in terms of the guidelines and suggested you know protocols and all that kind of stuff um and yeah i mean like you guys were saying earlier on the show it, it's it's going to be it's going to be wild so mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm ready to go you know we had a movie called off the grid that was scheduled uh to shoot in june and we had you know the money the actors everything's ready to go and then covid hit and we had to postpone so we're now we're aiming towards like october november and we're sort of working out details with with actors to make sure that we still have them on board which so far has been all great and wonderful they you know they really want to work (laughs) right Um, right but um you know I, i don't understand how we're gonna accomplish the you know, I, I mean, something as simple as like a kissing scene, you know, uh-uh. it's like, how do you, you know, how, how do you accomplish that and, and keep <laughs> within the protocols and the guidelines and social distancing well, is Well, Micah, you simply blow scene. them a kiss, Micah, just blow <laughs> them a kiss, like, like, like you, like you'll do to Brooke in this film. You just blow her a kiss from six feet away, call it yeah. a day, edit it out in post, and you're done. Well, it's there you true, go. though. You know I mean, what? Thank you. just yeah. solved all my problems. <laughs> hey, listen, but it's Micah. true. You know, a lot of people are going to have to start sort of um, thinking of that and when they're writing scenes, you know, when they're putting scripts together, I guess, in a way. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, let, let's pray and hope that, you know, we have a vaccine or some kind of treatment in the next six months. So, I, you know, hopefully we'll, we won't be having to deal with this, like, for, you know, forever. But in the interim it's tricky, especially on those kind of, right. I mean, if you've, if you've written a, a love story, if you've, if you've written a, a script that involves, you know, intimacy and stuff, you're right. What you, how are you going to do it? It's, it's crazy. Right. Right. Well, and I'll yeah. tell you, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fairly conservative guy myself. And so, um, and so what I think is going to happen is that I think that content is actually going to become a little bit more conservative, conservative mm-hmm. in that, in that manner. You know, you're going to see the old, you know the fifties style where <laughs> the, the twin bed closes and, and you know what happens. So which is right, totally right. fine. You know we we get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know you're right. It's gonna. I just think in some ways it's gonna make um, filmmaking have to be a little more creative. You know, in that respect. And like you said, maybe we right. don't. Less is more. You know. But I want to talk. Tell every. Let's talk about your new film, The Runners. And first of all, congratulations on your production company, and congratulations on. Uh, I always say coming to your senses and getting the hell out of LA, <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting out of LA at a certain point. No, I mean, listen, I, you know, I love LA, but I, there comes a time when you realize you can do, you can do this anywhere in the country, you know, now, especially you don't have to be right. in Los Angeles. Yeah. 
Right. Um, well, I don't want to I don't want to break anybody's hearts on the uh, West Coast or anything, but I just bought a house on three acres that is oh, about half the oh. price. Of my apartment oh, in Los Feliz. So. Uh, oh, wow. I know. See, I'm oh, from wow. Georgia. I'm from Georgia, Micah, and it's painful, right? Because I, you know, I mean, luckily there's a lot of work in Atlanta, but that's the that's the thing when you when I hear my friends talking about what they bought and and you're just like <laughs> you can't get a you know a storage unit in Los Feliz for that. So right, right. that's but it, right. but it's what I talk about. It's it's all about quality of life, right? And so at a certain point, you kind of realize, wait, why am I living like this when I could have a quality of life and do what I would love to do at the same time? So I applaud you for that. Yeah, amen. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Micah. Micah, I just wanted to mention uh, regarding off the grid, I'm happy to see that Tohoru is in your film. I haven't seen Tohoru in years, but really like him. Uh, yeah, you know what? I actually haven't met him yet, but my uh, my producing partner on this film is Chris Routhy, Um and he's a really good friend of his, and so he brought him into the into the fold on this, and so I've heard nothing but incredible things about him, and I actually I really am looking forward to working with him. Oh, great. Excellent. Okay, thank you. I just yeah. saw that, so I wanted to bring that up. Well, it's all, yeah. you know, it's it's really a small world. Um, first of all, congrats on the film, and you had a great cast, especially Tom Sizemore. Um, had you worked with Tom before, or did how did that happen? Was it a, no. an offer? Well, yeah, yeah. So basically, we were just, you know, like like any other producer out there going for talent, you know, you have a certain amount of cash that you can put towards it. And you, and you have a sort of a list of names that you're, you know, hoping to get and you kind of start at the top and, and you, we were lucky because for the, for the role that we wanted to cast, he was really perfect for it. And so he was really like right up at the top of the list for that particular role. And um, we kind of chimed in right at the right time and he was available and we were shooting just in Sherman Oaks in LA uh, so it was like he just was able to come right over and, and do it very easily. So we snagged him. So it was great. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. Uh, Tom is like the the true journeyman actor. And I was actually attached to a film called Wish Man that I was supposed to shoot last two years ago almost. But Tom is in that film and we would have had scenes together. But what I love about Tom is, you know, he he just loves to work and he'll work on low budget, middle, moderate budget, high budget. You right. know, he's. He's a real inspiration that way. So, well, it's interesting. So in your career, it seems like you've always worn these multiple hats and have been a hyphenate. Is that just how it kind of started for you and has always been that way? Or did you seek out wanting to kind of do it all at, at one time? Well, you know, I'll tell you, while most actors go out to L.A. and, you know, like, I'm, I mean, like young actors – they go out to LA from, you know, wherever, you know, Indiana or Texas or wherever, and they become waiters. Well, <laughs> I had grown up with a dad who was a serial entrepreneur. And, he, and so he taught me about business and sales and all kinds of stuff as a kid. And so when I went out there, I got door to door sales jobs. And so that Good was like my in between. So I was, I was selling ink and toner door to door in Burbank at 115 degrees in a suit, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it was terrible. I wanted to quit every day. In fact, one time I had a job selling, I don't even remember what it was, but it was selling something to real estate agents. And I was at a call center at the, uh, at, a, at a building in mid Wilshire. And, um, I called my wife on my break and I was like, I can't take this anymore. Like I'm going to die. Like I, <laughs> like it's so bad. 
and I, I am, you know, I'm the guy doing the robocalls, you know, everybody hates me. And <laughs> so, right. um, and so she's, she's like, just quit, just walk out the door. And I'm like, no, I can't just walk out the door. She's like, come on. It's, it's, you're a robocaller. Like, just, just do it. You'll be happier. I'm like, what about, what about rent? She's like, forget rent, just walk out. So I literally like looked up over my cubicle. There's like a hundred other people calling and I tiptoed out of the room. And when I got to the door, I literally ran to the elevator because I was scared. I had like a really mean boss. He was like a slave driver boss. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I literally ran to my car and I called my wife. I was like, I did it. I'm escaped. I'm I'm free. I'm a free man. Yeah. So all of those jobs were, were teaching me how to be a producer and I didn't know it. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I learned how to negotiate and to sell even better than I had before. And it kept me really sharp. And so people started to notice around me like, hey, you have these sort of skills. And, and they would start to say things and, and ask me to help them do things. And I'm like, yeah, well, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm an actor. You know, I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mm-hmm. do that. And, and it, it became glaringly obvious to me that I was much more than an actor. And um, plus, as you know, when you're out there acting and auditioning all the time and booking one out of, you know, 100 auditions or whatever, it gets right. really like, oh, you know, like, like, well, I wish I could just create my own work. And so that's what I started to do. I, I, I tell people all the time that I got my bachelor's degree at Texas State University and I got my master's at Barnes and Noble. Because right. I spent right. like, you know, my first five years in Hollywood was just parked on a couch at Barnes and Noble every second I got reading every single book on every topic about this entire industry, you know? Mm. And so that's led to a fruitful career. Well, that's amazing. I mean, that's, that's what I say. It's like you took charge of, of your destiny and you kind of create, that's the hardest thing. I always say, I think all actors should try to do other stuff in the industry, you know, because one, I think it makes us better actors. Once you know, how the casting happens and how it's not so personal and all that stuff. You know, I'm sure now as right. an actor, it's, it's like me. Cause I do all that too. It's like acting for me. is kind of like um, a break, you know, it's like I get to go and just yeah. act and not have to worry about it. Like if, if the stuff, if the shit da- falls down around me, it's not like not my, not my fault today, guys, you know, not my headache. <laughs> well, you know, Jasper, things are going to be changing a little bit because when you're on the set by yourself and that light falls, you're going to have to climb up the ladder, reattach the light, come down and start the scene again. Oh, by right. the way, but Micah. you get an extra credit Ra- as a gaffer for that. So that's- yes, exactly, yeah, Ra- Micah. Ra- Ralph thinks that he's get- we're using this show for his voiceover reel. So you'll notice he will occasionally lapse into voices that he's going to try to use on the voiceover. Yeah, just so you don't, don't so, just so, so you don't think way, he's lost his fucking mind. Wait, yeah. say that again. I said it. Wait, is this an informal audition then? Because I'm it, I'm open to it. Yes. Uh, well, yes. Ralph Ralph's whole life is an informal audition, and so basically. <laughs> I told him he already got the co-host job like a month ago, but he's why? still auditioning. I don't Micah, know why. just yesterday <laughs> I was doing a little jig at Trader Joe's. And, you know, that's what I do. I'm a giver. I give back. You know, right. so, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So. <laughs> but enough about you, Ralph. Let's focus on our guest. Exactly. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But <laughs> so. So, Micah, um, the great thing—the I mean, great thing is—you got this production in the can, the runners, you know, because everybody wants content right now, especially 
since no one's been able to film anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I heard a uh, statistic uh, like a month ago that the average American is watching, I think it was like 38% more streaming content per day right now during this whole pandemic. Wow. And without, you know, where people can't really go out and make stuff, you have a lot of companies, even big companies, running out of content because, you know, you and I and everyone else has sat down and watched everything they want to watch. You know, they're like, okay, right, well, right. either either Netflix is going to get a new show or I'm going to cancel it because I've seen everything. So they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on, bring it on, bring it on. We need content. So we're in a really great place. Well, and that's what's you know that's what's happened to me. Like on the on on the production side too, we've gotten so much stuff quote ready to go in the last four months because everyone's a captive audience, so they really can't say, "I don't have time to talk to you," "I don't have time to read your script." You know what I mean? It's like you kind of have everyone yeah. stuck at home, or they have they can't right. not take a Zoom meeting or whatever. So. It's like I told Ralph, it's like we all have these projects and we're at the starting gate and we're just we just wait for the pistol so we can go and start doing them. But um, well, so tell everyone. Well, first of all, everyone, our guest is Micah Lyons and you can follow him on Twitter at M-I-C-A-H-L-Y-O-N-S and same on Instagram. But there's also an Instagram account for the runners movie altogether so people can. And- yeah. Let me interject one thing real quick um, about that uh, because kind of a funny story. Um, I deleted an old email address like years ago, and that's what was connected to my Twitter. And I never was able to get back into my Twitter account. And so I haven't <laughs> tweeted in, I don't know, six or seven years um, because it's like it, they locked me out and I, I emailed the company and they haven't let me in and I never made a new one. So, yeah, you probably don't want to follow me on Twitter, um, oh. at least not right now. <laughs> uh, because but it, it be Instagram is good, right? Yeah, Instagram is Instagram, good. Instagram, actually, the, the best Instagram is Micah the Producer. Um, okay. That's where I post a lot of my personal stuff, Micah the Producer. And then um, and then also my, my uh, production company is Breath of Life Productions. So the acronym for that, B-O-L-P. Um, that's how it starts. It's B O L P films. So those are the two um, I use the most. I'm sorry for having oh, a bunch of erroneous accounts up there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's fine. Listen, we, that's what we're here for. I just want to make sure people know where they can, you know, follow you and stay in touch and, and look out for the, all your projects that are coming out. So, um, well now you're, are, are you back in the area you grew up in? Yes, yeah. So um, I grew up in a small town called Hallsville, Texas, like like a hallway, um, right. which is right next to Longview, Texas. And Longview, Texas is a decent-sized town. It's, it's close to 100,000 people, um, notably the same town that Matthew McConaughey is from. And that's okay. where I live now is in Longview. Oh, wow. That's, that's great. That's, 100,000 is a nice size. You know, it's just – Big enough to not be a, yeah. a tiny town. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah. how, how was all the it? All the hotels and stuff. How was it? Tra- I mean, I'm sure you know you went back and visited quite a bit when you were living out here, but um, h- how has the transition been? A nice, like, nice, calming, different pace of life, I guess. Yeah, you know, I have I have three little kids. They're two, four, and six years old. And um, having kids that young in Los Angeles and living in a, in a small apartment 
is, wow. um, is tough. tough in and of itself. And my wife, um, she's an actress, um, and she's a model, and, and she also is, um, you know, with the kids 95% of the time. And so um, giving her the ability to go outside and have a big, giant three-acre yard with a trampoline and, like, stuff to do is really I, – I, like, I can go to work and feel really comfortable, whereas, like, mm-hmm. when I go to work, you know, when I was in Hollywood and I was going to work every day, my, my wife is shut up in this, this small apartment with three kids. I'm like, oh, man, I feel bad, you know. God, um, yeah. So this is – it's much better. But, you know, I will tell you, I did not realize – that I was, I, I actually, I accidentally moved to Texas um, because <laughs> I got hired to direct and produce a, a, a network film. And uh, I actually wrote, I wrote it. I sold the script. Um, you know, there was, they said that the, the director position hadn't been filled yet. So I started pushing for the job. Um, I got the job. They said, okay, we're going to shoot the movie in Canada. And I said, wait, wait, time out. Let me shoot it in Texas because I love shooting in Texas. And so went back and forth, and finally they said, okay, fine, you can shoot in Texas. And so now here I am, writer, director, producer on my biggest project yet. It's for a really large network on TV, and, um, and I get to shoot it, like, basically in my hometown. So that's oh, my the God. Of last year, last, last summer, I'm, like, on cloud nine, right? So everything starts. I hire an AD. Like, here we go. And so my wife and I decided that we were going to get rid of this, you know, crappy little apartment. And we would just go to Texas, you know, in the meantime and make the movie. And when we came back, we would get a new different apartment somewhere else. So we took our son out of private school. We, we uh, terminated the lease, that, you know, for the place we've been for seven years. We put all of our stuff in storage. We flew to Texas. We get out. We decide we're going to spend a few days hanging out with family and friends. And then I get a call that they have pulled the floor pulled the plug on the whole thing and it's over oh, shit. and that's it. There's no more money. <laughs> so oh I, my I was God. Jobless and homeless in Texas. And we were like, okay, so well, now what? And <clears throat> yeah. So well, I, think, I, you I know what? Buddy there, yeah, go ahead. Do I? I was going to say, say you know, li- life kind of tells you, gives you the answers before you realize it. Yes, it does, man. Yes, it does. You know, I, I called up a buddy at Disney uh, one of my best friends, Chris Rousey, and I said, dude, we have to make a movie like right now. And so, um, <laughs> so he said, okay, let's do it, you know? And, uh, and so we started raising money and I went to um, an investor that I've worked with before. Who's, uh, who's been like a real mentor to me. And um, I basically said, Hey, we're making this movie. You know, we picked a script that I had already written that we, we'd already actually been developing this thing for quite a while or anyways. And so we landed on it and we went out and I was able to raise the first big chunk of money within like a week. And so we're like, wow. okay, we feel better. Like we're here now. We've, we like a project is happening. Let's keep it going. And so we were, we were renting uh, a, a space from a friend of ours thinking like, we'll be back in LA in a couple months, which turned into like six months, which turned into COVID, which turned into <laughs> us buying a house here. <laughs> Oh my God! See, I mean, it's amazing. Like, by the way, we're in Los Feliz. I used to live in Silver Lake. I'm just curious, where were you in Los Feliz? We were at the top of uh, North Kingsley. So okay. Right, like, like uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Were you um, up toward Los Feliz Boulevard or down? 
at Franklin? No, or... we were we were uh, right at the corner of uh, Franklin and North Kingsley. Like we were like a couple yeah. buildings from the corner of, of of that. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the last seven years. I was in Silver Lake over. Yeah, near uh, Gelson's, that whole area. Ralph, by the way, Ralph is a oh, native. Okay. Yeah, Ralph was born and raised in L.A. He lives in um, in Windsor Hills. Up, Windsor, up, well, Mike, I, yeah. I didn't want to say anything when you mentioned Burbank because, you know, I do have a tendency to boomerang things to myself. I was born in Burbank. Uh, my father oh, helped okay. deliver me. Yes, Micah. So, uh, <laughs> but I, but but I thought for this time, you know, uh, I'll just withhold, you know, uh, that little tidbit of information. But I was able to get it in after all. Yeah. Well, well is your so is your yeah. dad a doctor or just a nice guy? He was. He both actually. He was a physician. He was an intern <laughs> at the time. He's dead so, now. So yes. Oh, so um, he, he passed is away. dead, Ralph. <laughs> And uh, so, but yes, he was a very nice guy, but he, he assisted in the delivery of my birth. That's amazing. You know, my wife had um, one of our three kids in our living room, in our tiny little apartment. You can imagine the neighbor's surprise. Yeah. In Los Feliz? In Los Feliz. Yeah. Yeah. Right in the living room. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. The things you know, they don't tell new tenants when they move in, you know. Exactly. You know, and, and as somebody as somebody is walking down the hallway, Mike, it's like, hey, hey, what's going on there? What are you doing? Having a baby in there? You know, and it's like, actually, we are. Thank you. But, you know, in L.A., in L.A., people just pretend they would just look and keep going like, oh, these showbiz people, you know, oh, well, keep keep walking. <laughs> yeah. They're probably filming a. They're probably filming a short film or something. Yes, yeah, okay. Don't Everyone, back it. to one. Back to one. <laughs> wow. Right. Well, it looks like you know what, you, Brooke. We're gonna start you, with the contractions, okay, honey? So if you could just start counting down from ten on action, that'd be real, real good, okay? Right. Yeah. yeah. Look, and this is a oneer, so don't miss the focus. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, I think, you know, the good thing is you're, you're, you're just a plane ride back to L.A. to take any meetings and stuff like that. So I think you've ended up in the perfect, perfect place. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I can literally hop on a plane at noon and be in Los Angeles at 1 o'clock because of the time change. That's so amazing. I just love it. I love yeah, all this new stuff and Zoom and you know, auditioning on tape and not having to, you know, drive all over the place. So, well, listen, guys, the time it, we're going to get a hard cutoff at, right at 730. So, Micah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Congratulations on the Runners movie and uh, the new stuff you have coming up. And, you know, good luck with the new ho- the house and the kids and the wife and We'll stay in touch with through Clint, the publicist, and I, you know, just wish you all the best. Yeah, you know what? Same to you guys. Um, I really appreciate you guys having me. And uh, anybody who wants to follow the Facebook page for the Runners, um, it's just facebook.com slash the Runners movie. Um, we'd love to have you guys hop on there and check us out. There, there are you know a few years worth of posts there. Lots of fun behind the scenes and all kinds of stuff. But, yeah, thank you guys so much. This has been great. Yeah, Micah, thank you for your energy and enthusiasm. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night. Take care, buddy. Thank you, thank you, Na, 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 hey, hey, hey. Oh, God, we had two energetic guests. That was a lot of fun, as always. I know. And again, I want to say thank you to Joy Purvis at the J. Purvis Talent Agency and to Clint Morris at October Harvest PR. Um, Yeah, because Joy's going to be, I'm going to be sending Joy the link so she can listen to this. Oh, great. Um, And Joy, we're hoping that, you know, all the productions in Atlanta are going to kick in and we're going to get back there and start shooting some stuff as well. Ralph, you're the best. It goes Thank by you, way Jeff. too fast. Thank every you, Jasper. Time. I will be back next week. Planet Eartha with Jasper Cole. Listen, everyone stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands and just take care of everyone until next Thursday. Peace out, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Planet Earth. Thanks for checking out One-on-One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.